The Holy Gospel for this day is from Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 27. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second. And the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Great and blessed God, we thank you for this most holy moment in our week. We come together as pilgrims in our earthly journey to receive nourishment for our souls. We concern ourselves most of the week with nourishment for our physical selves. Now, O Lord, we recognize our soul, our spirit, and we need your word to inspire us and to propel us into the week. We need your bread and wine, your body and blood to nourish us and to prepare us spiritually to serve you in thought, word, and deed in the week ahead. In your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Today, the theme in our gospel lesson, of course, is about resurrection and the afterlife. After I finished my sermon on resurrection and the afterlife, I met with a group of people from church who showed a different way of interpreting the gospel that made me think of a different sermon. The situation was that we were in this little prayer moment, I read the gospel. And typically when we read the gospel or any Bible story, we look for the theme in the story. What does it mean? I mean, that's what they taught us in seminary. Look for what it means then and then try and bring it into the present day. Resurrection, how do we understand resurrection today? Well, one woman in the back of the room said, well, maybe there are other ways that we can interpret the Bible and the Bible stories. What would it be like if we interpreted the story by pretending we are one of the characters in the story and viewed the story from that perspective? And then she said, for example, maybe we should pretend we are the woman with the seven husbands. And she said after that, if it were me, And I had one man after another passing me along without me having to say a word about it. 
I would be very upset. There is a perspective in the text here, culturally bound, that treated women less than honorably. Just by the story we tell. I'd never thought of it that way before. But I've been thinking about it all week. And, you know, I'd like to preach on it. But I've got this other sermon already done. So if I were to preach on it, I would think about the other women in the Bible. Women who have been treated less than honorably. Like Eve, for example. Throughout history, she has been blamed for things that she was not responsible for. Or Abraham and Sarah. Abraham seems to be taken seriously. Sarah, not so much. And then especially I would think about Mary Magdalene. Some of you heard of Mary Magdalene before. Her name really is Mary of Magdala. That's a town near in Galilee. I've been to Magdala. It's a beautiful little village of white buildings on a hillside. She was a rich woman. She helped fund the disciples. I mean, how did they eat? I mean, they were going around preaching and teaching. Well, she helped fund them. She is described in sources outside of the Bible as being the most insightful, the wisest, and the most spiritually deep of all of Jesus' followers. She, and this is recorded in Scripture, was the first to witness the resurrection, and she is the first to tell anybody about the resurrection. And it's a woman telling the disciples what has happened. They didn't believe her. And yet, over the centuries, her reputation and her history has been undercut by the men who ran the church. In fact, in the 10th century, a pope gave a sermon that has dominated Mary Magdalene's reputation to this very day. The sermon associated Mary of Magdala with a woman of the streets. And so to this day, the thought is that Mary Magdalene was a woman of the streets, that Jesus saved from the streets. That is not true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. So if I were to give such a sermon, I would focus on how many stories in the Bible are both culturally and historically bound and that we need to unravel them and maybe the best way is to go into and play the part of one of those characters. But, as I said, I've got another sermon about resurrection and eternal life. And I suppose we could put ourselves in the place of the Sadducees and see the story through their eyes. The Sadducees were people who did not believe in the resurrection. They, were, they weren't scientists in the way that we understand scientists. But they did not believe there was life after death because there was no proof. And so they would put Jesus in the hot seat with difficult questions that are impossible to answer. And then they would prove, well, there's no resurrection. You can't answer our question. They would project their earthly experience of life into heaven. So if there is a heaven, it must be like an extension of our earthly experiences. So, Jesus, one woman, seven husbands, whose wife shall she be? It's like Jesus pulls out his hair and his response basically is, you just don't get it. 
Heaven is so completely different. Resurrection, afterlife, so completely different than your life here that you can't even conceive of it now. You can't even imagine it. It's like being angels. It reminds me of many junior high questions that have come my way over the, I was going to say centuries, decades. (laughs) (laughs) Over the decades. (laughs) It feels like centuries sometimes. Because they too are a little bit like the Sadducees. You know, they're just growing out of their Sunday school experience where they hear the stories and they just absorb everything and don't question much. Get to junior high and they're starting to get exposed to science. They're starting to ask bigger questions. And they often ask Sadducee Sadducee kind of questions. Not the seven husband wife one. That's not one they would ask. But here are some that I remember from confirmation classes over the years. Are you ready? Can God create a rock too heavy for God to lift? If God created everything, who created God? If we are raised from the dead, what age will we be in heaven? 25? 45? 65? 95? Will we meet our family in heaven? How about family members like great-great-great-great-grandpa? This is one asked every year. Will my pet be in heaven? What about those not baptized? How are they going to be or aren't they going to be in heaven? What are we going to do in heaven anyway? I mean, it's a long time. (laughs) Eternity, I mean, like, are we going to play checkers? Are we going to watch TV? What are we going to do all that time? And where is it? Where is heaven? The astronauts have never seen it. So these are junior high questions, but they're also our questions. We maybe ask them in a little more sophisticated way, but we often want proof. We want to know for sure. And Jesus would respond to us like he responded to the Sadducees. He would ask us to take our earthly thinking caps off and put on our heavenly caps. Heaven is described with metaphor and story and poetry. That's why very often Jesus would tell parable stories to make a theological point. As I thought about resurrection and the afterlife, I remembered a story from years ago that I would use with confirmation kids and and people in late elementary school. Um, So those of you who are elementary age and junior high age, this is a story especially for you. Um, I'm going to read it to you. It's about resurrection and the afterlife, and it's a story that Jesus would tell. I mean, he didn't actually tell this story, but it's a story like Jesus would use. Children, are you ready? (laughs) The story's titled, Water Bugs and Dragonflies. Down below the surface of a quiet pond, lived a little colony of water bugs. They were a happy colony living far from the sun. For many months, they were very busy, scurrying about in the soft mud in the bottom of the pond. They did notice, however, that once in a while, one of their colonies seemed to lose interest in going about with them. Clinging to the stem of a pond lily, it gradually moved out of sight and was seen no more. Look! said one of the water bugs to another. 
One of our colony is climbing up the lily stalk. Where do you suppose she is going? Up, up, up. She slowly went, and they all watched as the water bug disappeared. Her friends waited and waited, but she didn't return. Where do you suppose she went? No one had an answer. They were greatly puzzled. Finally, one of the water bugs, a leader in the colony, gathered his friends together and said, I have an idea. The next one of us who climbs up the lily stalk must promise to come back and tell us where he or she went. We promise, they all solemnly said. One spring day, not long after that, that very water bug who had suggested the plan found himself climbing up the lily stalk, up and up and up he went. And before he knew what was happening, he had broken through the surface of the water and he had fallen onto this broad green lily pad above. When he woke up, he looked about with surprise. He couldn't believe what he saw. He saw the sun for the very first time. Startling change had come to his old body. He now had four silver wings and a long tail. He moved his wings slightly and moved them again, and suddenly he found himself flying above the water. He had become a dragonfly. Swooping and dipping in great curves, he flew through the air. <clears throat> by and by, the new dragonfly lighted down on the lily pad. It was the same one he had fallen on earlier. And he looked down to the bottom of the pond. There were his old friends, the water bugs. They were still scurrying about on the bottom, just as they had been before. Then the dragonfly remembered his promise. I must go back. Without thinking, the dragonfly flew up and came down to the surface of the water and bounced off. Now that he was a dragonfly, he could no longer go into the water. I can't return, he said in dismay. At least I tried, but I can't keep my promise. Even if I could go back, no one would believe me. I've changed so much. I guess I'll just have to wait until they also become dragonflies. Then they will understand what's happened to me and where I went. And the dragonfly flew off happily into its wonderful new world of sun and fresh air. Children, did you like that story? Would you explain it to your parents when you get home? <laughs> it's about life after death. It's a story of metaphor. And for us today, it's a lesson for adults that when we are scurrying about in our busy, mundane lives, we can't know what it is like in the resurrection. It is beyond our conception. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is, trust me. In fact, that's the whole story of Jesus. It is God's way of coming down to us in our world where we scurry about here and there. And God has a message to us through Jesus. And it comes down basically to this in Scripture. Don't worry about heaven. I have control of the future. It is beyond your understanding. Trust that I go and prepare a place for you. And when the time is right, I will take you to myself. Find comfort in that. 
don't obsess about what it will be like. Instead, obsess and worry about loving one another and caring for one another while you are on this earth. And so Jesus, throughout his ministry, would talk very little about heaven, but very much about how we are to live with one another. You will remember some of the things that Jesus said to us. Love your enemy. Be kind to those who are mean to you. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. House the homeless. Visit the prisoner. Welcome the stranger. Strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Heaven comes soon enough. Trust me with it. I have entrusted the world to you. So use your time here well. In my holy name, he would say, Amen. Great and glorious God, thank you for your message for us today. It challenges us to live in our world with commitment, with service, with love and compassion for those around us. Help us to entrust the afterlife to you. In your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen.